we need to sometimes take the time to listen to the voice in our own heads. Not get absorbed by it, not think it's the right voice, but if we can't hear ourselves, how can we expect other people to listen to us? That's Per Christiansen, one of the two original master trainers in the LEGO Serious Play method. Per started working with LEGO originally as part brand manager, part change agent, and then became aware of an internal initiative to harness imagination at a time when LEGO was struggling with how children were changing how they played. Join me as we discover how his curiosity led him on a completely unexpected path. I'm Finola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. And today I wanted to introduce you to this idea of that there are many ways to skin a cat. There are many ways to figure out your strategy, your thinking, how you run your business, how to think through your business, how to figure it out, because there's often there's a block to how do I, you know, make a decision or stuff like this. And a few years ago, actually many years ago, I came across a wonderful, kind man <laughs> called Per Christiansen, which I've just murdered his name. But he's a facilitator and trainer, actually one of the original uh, founders or people who took this idea of using Lego to access the insights and wisdom that are inside of us to be able to drive a business forward. Yes. I did say Lego. And welcome, Pear. Thank you, Finola. <laughs> was that? Did I say Beautiful. Your name? Be- yes, you did. Oh. Beautifully pronounced. <laughs> so I loved, so I, I have to recap because we, we had our conversation and I had to go, when did I do this work? I did this course on Lego serious play, yeah. right? As opposed to frivolous play. 2014. 2014. A long time ago. But it really moved me. I never forgot it. And so let's let's first share with people what is Lego Serious Play? So it's magic, right? Uh, Yeah. No, but it is. on, 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 on On a serious note, I mean, we tend to say that it's a facilitated um, thinking and communication technology or method. So really, at its core, it's about helping people to think and to communicate. Yeah. That's... That is really at its core. Now, as you said in the beginning, or indicated, I guess, it it was initially developed, you know, for Lego, at Lego, to help a group of people think about their strategy and to communicate 
in those meetings about the strategy. Um, that's you. But, and then it's evolved from there. It's but can I ask you, because I, I want to ask you, because this is really interesting to me how it started. So Lego was, you know, successful. We all know how successful it is, but there was the advent of video and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And they wanted, they were kind of worried about, oh my God, will we remain relevant? And they brought in consultants to look at, you know, strategy and all the rest of it, but realized that they weren't tapping into something that's at the heart of that company, which was imagination. Is that fair to say? Yes, it's fair to say. I mean, Lego did struggle in this period. I don't think it's a, it's a secret uh, to, to anyone. Um, uh, just to say that Lego in, in this uh, is around the 2000, right? Uh, or late 90s. They were struggling. Um, and it's a def- they were, full stop. The Lego owner, or Lego's a family-owned company, and back then he was truly third generation. He was killed. Um, he has a very strong value set. He has an extremely deep held or had, I, I believe he still has, but he's sort of retired and um, or semi-retiring. Um, but really deeply held, strongly held beliefs about what human humans can and want to. So he he believed in this human potential that we have an unlocked potential. He has this belief that, you know, people go to work to do well. He's not naive. He's not, he didn't say that people are always doing well, but he, we wake up and we go to work and we want to do well. And there is, there is also, you know, a sort of a good feeling uh, from that, from, from working, right? So, so, so that was sort of his starting point. And then, in, and then he believes in his company and the values Lego stood for. And there was something about that things weren't, the, the way they were strategizing and use of imagination is super, super important. The way they were unlocking or utilizing this imagination wasn't there. Um, and, and he had, or in, he had conversations with these two professors who at that time were at IMD. Uh, they worked for him, not as part of their IMD work, uh, but they were at IMD with both visiting professors, I believe, at the time. And together with Keld, and, and you know, they did some iterations. And, you know, the idea came out to use the Lego bricks in this work and just worked with that. And there was something there, but it didn't quite work. And then Robert Rasmussen, um, who, who I've worked with now for, I guess that would be plus 20 years. He, he was invited in to really help them. It's going to get some structure or turn this into something that, you know, that actually worked because I think they, 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 Kel could see the idea, but, but it was, it did, it didn't really predictably work every single time or, or at all to a degree. Does it work every time now? Yeah. Yeah. Did you lose 20 okay. years? So you... No, that's, <laughs> yeah. no that, that wasn't fair. It took us 20 years to figure out why it works. Um, no, it, <laughs> it works every single time. And, and, and it quickly did. I mean, Robert, uh, I, I mean, can't, can't underestimate uh, his, I mean, his role is obvious because you just look at history. But he, I think Robert put some years back, 
these are like he he's got he 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 didn't know anything about strategy and um, he he was a people leader, but he's like this was not his field. He was in learning in the development. Yeah, and and he really brought in all this knowledge about play, but but also flow and how the brain basically works. And he brought that to this management process, if I may call it that, right? It yeah. really helped put some some healthy layers into it. And then I was lucky enough to then join, um, also, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, relatively early in this um, and develop and, and, and assist and participate in the development of, of the method, but also a lot on it on how we can then put it into a thing that we can actually help others learn so they can go and do it as well, right? As you also develop the facilitator brain. But Robert really saw, uh, saw this thing and somehow managed to figure out what, what's the nucleus here, right? Now we're talking, I guess, 2000, 2001. Help people understand what is a Lego serious play workshop like, like physically, because we haven't really told them you you are actually playing with Lego bricks. Give us an example of of an exercise that you might do. I know one of the ones that you talked about was, you know, building values or building. Yeah, yeah I'll let you give an example. I, I think before we give an example, let's just kind of just try and describe what actually what would what would an outsider see if they were looking at a serious play workshop? So 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 they would see a facilitator. So it takes an outside of sorts. And the facilitator would ask a a question which clearly has more than one right answer. Which which asks people to know something they don't know they know in a way where they build something that doesn't look like anything. There you go. <laughs> That's extremely obscure. <laughs> but that, and that is the thing. That's why, I mean, when, 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 you, when you were asking me this question, I was going like, oh, no, she's going to ask me to describe what it feels like to do downhill skiing, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, how, how to... Or imagine this, please describe to me how to ride a bicycle. How does that work? And you go like, well, handles, like, you know, two wheels, keep your balance. It sounds so complicated and obscure. If you were to describe how to ride a bicycle, I don't think anyone ever would get on a bicycle. Imagine how complicated it would sound. Anyway, let's try, I'm on a tangent. Let's, let's try and go back to this. So yeah, that's what they would see. That's what they will see. And what's important here is a couple of things. We're, we're actually asking people to build something they don't know they know. So most of the time when we are asked that question, either is someone trying to humiliate us and prove to us that we don't know anything, or it's to test what we know, right? That's a normal question. So we're either being put out for humiliation or to prove what we already know. But Kel's point was exactly or, that we say that all the time. Right? So he wanted people to be asked a question where they were accessing the stuff they don't know they know and made new connections in their brains. That was the, that's idea number one. That's unleashing your imagination. You said it in the beginning, right? 
And there are more than one, and there's more than one right answer. So there's not a boss or a senior person in the room who knows it. If you were to ask me what's the capital of Denmark, there would be one right answer. Someone would know, maybe more, but there would be a right answer. Right? So that's 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 a part of it. Now then we don't build anything that looks like anything. So we're actually not building physical representation of where, what we're talking about. We're building metaphors. So the own so the builder owns the meaning in the model. And it, it's really in that process it becomes really interesting, right? So if, if you walked in or if you were the one observing this going on, you would never know what people are building until they've shared the story to you. But then once you've heard it and you've seen it, there's a really, you, you hear me differently. So if I was to share, uh, I'm going to take a random Lego model that's on my desk here. If I was to share this and, and, and I built this and there's a certain meaning in it, and, and we see here two kittens looking each in their direction and one is placed on a weird green transparent brick. If I told you what that meant, that the, what, 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 what these were metaphors for, that, Im that impression for you, we will help you form a stronger memory. Partly because of the metaphors and partly because you're literally seeing what I'm saying. You can see these two cats are looking in different directions. That, that helps you form a stronger uh, memory in your brains of what I just said. So, so that's sort of what, not sort of, that is what's going on. Yeah, at its very core. Now, a workshop... So question for you. The thing that always stayed with me from Lego Serious Play was this, this uh, history or this, uh, the science behind the connection between hands, physically hands building something and the brain, which I'd like to talk about in a minute. But you're actually, you've just added something else to me here, which is the importance of actually seeing something. Because we talk about vision for a business so often, but it's, it's only, it rests in our minds. We never actually physically see it, never physically see the manifestation of it. And you've just, I've just realized that's what you do with building in metaphors. You can, I want my Lego kit now again. <laughs> but it's funny, because in your first language, right, which I would say is English, and my first language, which is Danish, we, we, we have these phrases. I can't see what you're saying. I really don't see that angle. I don't see that perspective. I can't see that point of view. And true, we can't. But here we can. I just love that. But you see what I'm saying? I just said it again, right? Yeah. But we, we say it all the time. Because that it would be so natural for our brains, he says, trying to show where his brain is. But here we actually see what people are saying. And yeah. the fun thing is, if I was sharing this model with you, right, and I didn't share, uh, here's here's an owl, right, and and I and I didn't share what that meant, you would see the owl, and then you're going, so pear, does the owl mean anything? Because you can see what I haven't said. Yeah. How magic is that? Wow. So when you have people coming for workshops, is it? I I know this. I'm, I'm asking a question. I already know the answer. But anyway, is it for? Uh, uh, companies and bringing their whole team together? Is it for individuals, for their lives? Is it, what? who comes? Who uses Lego Series Play? People. 
humans, so far, so far humans, right? We'll, we'll see what comes out of the hearings in the U.S., whether there are extraterrestrials among us. <laughs> uh, so far humans. And now, and now, now, let's put it this way. So Lego series play is, we often talk, it's a language. We often say it's a language. It's a method, it's a language. And it's a language that everybody can speak. Now, different facilitators bring it to different people, groups of people. I personally, me pair, I work mostly with adults and I work mostly with adults in commercial organizations. Yeah. I do a little bit in, in, in public or, uh, government institutions, but I'm mostly in that field. But people use it practically all over. There is something about how a brain works that makes it more well-suited, all things equal, from a certain majority, because that's when our brain really, brains can really handle the metaphors. But it is used with children. It is used with children. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's used, I mean, um, it, it's, well, it's, it's used in, in therapy. Uh, the, the, the example I was, I, was, I was trying to get to was that I recently, we, we work a little bit with a, an NGO in Vietnam. Um, they use it with uh, trafficked girls, basically, wow. um, to help them find themselves. Uh, it, it's used also with lists of fortunate children in, in Thailand. Uh, I know of it being used but in military camps. I know it's been used in peace negotiations. I, it, it's, um, yeah, it's it's a language that helps people think and communicate in a super non-threatening and extremely safe way. Anyway, I know it's been used with, uh, um, I don't know what the correct word is, so let's call them native tribes yeah. in, in the Pacific Island, tribes that had never seen Lego bricks before, Yeah, but the facilitator used them, used Lego seriously to help them uh, talk about they were about how to have a UN supported project or something. And so they built with Lego bricks. They built in a way that for us is upside down. So they had the studs, the knobs down, but they never seen Lego bricks before. So who's, who, who, who knows what's up and down, right? Yeah. I love it. You're amazing at what you do, but it hasn't translated into the success you wished for. You want to make a bigger impact and it's time to do something about it. It's time that your brand, your website and all your messaging speak to that bigger vision you have for your business. So if you're ready to build a business that moves you, moves you professionally, financially and personally, then this is our invitation to design your own success. Design Your Own Success is the ultimate live and in-person program dedicated to businesswomen like you. Say goodbye to endless decision-making and fragmented initiatives that never seem to move the needle far enough. Instead, spend five days in November with us and our winning team at the Brook Lodge in McCredden Village, fast-tracking your success. Design Your Own Success, five days in-person, packed with exactly what you need to take your business to the next level. Find out more at designyourownsuccess.com and register your spot today. This is Finola and Lucy. And we can't wait to meet you there. Explain to people the idea of the hand-brain connection. Yeah. So 
there are different uh, strains that, of research that suggests that by engaging our hand or hands, we engage more of our brain, right? Uh, th this goes all the way back to the constructionism uh, with Seymour Papert, but it also goes into some more more of the recent uh, neuroscience in this whole embodied cognition, the extended mind. But but it seems that directly or indirectly, our brain, our brains are closely connected with our hands. So by engaging our hands, we seem to be engaging more of our brains, more of our brain. Brain. Um, and I, I would like to say seemed and suggest because, I mean, I don't think the book is closed on how the brain works, but it really seems that by engaging our hands, we're engaging more of our brain, different parts of our brain, we're actually helping our brain cells, our neurons talk together. And then even as we, you and I are doing this, you can see my hands are all over the place. So, so we are 3D beings and it does seem to help us to do this. So by building it and and by building it ex external to ourselves and by 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 having all these stimuli, I, I'm, I'm touching my fingertips now. It seems that more parts of our brains are lightening up, lighting up, and we are we are accelerating the 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 creation of new connections between our neurons. So it seems, um, and our experience, and this is more anecdotal, and our experience in the workshops is, of course, that this is exactly what happens. We we ask people to build, they build. And then they share it, and then they say, "Ooh, I didn't know I knew that." And, and this is after building with Lego bricks for twelve minutes without anybody saying anyone, and without searching or asking ChatGPT. Right? It, it literally comes from them. Talk to me about flow and how I talk about flow a lot, but talk to me about flow in the context of Lego series play. I mean, there are so many people that know so much more about flow than I do, but it does seem that... You're witnessing it. Sorry? I'm witnessing it, yes. And I'm definitely witnessing it. And, and I'm also, I hope, harnessing it because we there seems to be a lot of flow experiences and there are micro flow experiences and there are team flow experiences and there's long flow experiences, but... It seems that our participants really have this deep flow experience. And it's both on an individual level and, and there are some really beautiful team flow experiences where they're building collectively. But this balance between uh, perceived difficulty of a challenge and our perceived skills, that coming together and then being stretched and this, the dissolvement of time, right? They're, they, they, they're gone. So they're asked this question, and I'm back to this question where they don't know the answer, right? So they're thrown out a little bit of flow, but not more, you know, the flow corridor, where we tend to be, but we want to throw ourselves out of it in order to grow. So they're asked this question they don't, where they don't fully know the answer, but they want to know the answer. I think the key thing is you ask them a question where, go, where, where, where they go like, I don't know, but I wish I did. I wish I did. So they're out of flow, but the desire to grow because the facilitator has scaffolded them with emotionally attractive examples like competences, skills, and values. Now they need then this thing that helps them grow. That's their, and that's where they start building and making sense of it. Now, th this, this requires silence, of course. 
So, to, so they're not disturbing themselves. They're not interrupting themselves. Right? So phones are gone. The room is sufficiently quiet. There might be a little bit of background music, just almost like holding the space for them so that they, they, they go deep into this and they build the complete track of time. And then all of a sudden they look up and they're like, whoa, what did I build? And then they, sometimes they don't even think they know the story when they start talking. And then they do. Of course they do. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so, so those are that's fantastic. It, yeah, it's really fun. And sometimes you go like, so this was 12, 15 minutes. And, and they look up and they go, no, it wasn't. You said something. You said something to me earlier about they about that they never thought like this before or were heard like this before. Tell me more. Yeah. But I, I think I think I might have said both. Uh but I, I, let, let's let's the, the heard heard one the, I think for a lot of people is is really wow because what happens after they go like oh I didn't know I knew this and and that inside and then they realize that people are listening to them and now I I am a great believer of meanings um, I I think when people say we have too many meetings, I, I think they're saying the wrong thing. I think they have too bad meetings because we are truly knowledge companies. Then meetings must be the key production mm. unit. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't say I think most people are used to meetings where nobody is listening to them. Everybody's talking, but there's no real listening. I think it was Peter Singhi, one of these or Miss Cohort, that once said that most people confuse dialogue with two-way monologue. And I think most meetings are two-way monologues or multi-way monologues. But dialogues actually requires that you're listening to people. So I think many people in the first industry workshop are shocked when they realize that when they're talking, people are actually listening to them. And that is also a, a big sort of well, I was heard. And that, so we, we saw about 100, 100 meetings. So that means that everybody's participating all the time. That doesn't mean everybody's talking at the same time. But to truly listen to someone actually requires your participation. And, and one of the tricky things in Lake Osiris is that once somebody has shared their story, people are allowed to ask questions right, to the model. To the story, but they're asking them in a manner, well, let's call it clean, but they're asking them in a manner where there is no level of interpretation. So there's nothing about whether they agree or disagree, right? Often people say, I don't agree with you, but this is irrelevant because in serious play, people cannot be wrong. So whether you agree or don't agree is actually in the beginning, things change, a shift later, but that's a different, we'll have that in a minute. Different conversation, but you can't be I wrong, right? That. Doesn't mean I agree with you, but you're not wrong. It's a really, really essential thing, right? Anyway, so that's part. No, that's one thing. So then, when you have a question, right? You, the facilitator and the other participants can ask questions to this model, and I'm pointing to a random Lego model now. 
But it's not whether I agree with you. That's not a question, right? It's not even an interpretation. You can only ask questions in a clean and curious manner. So if you were to ask a question here, you might, to, to, to the legal model I have in front of me, you could ask Finola, does it mean anything that the meaning figure is sitting down? Because now you're exploring my meaning. You're not projecting. You're not agreeing. You, you have respect for what I've shared. You have respect for my new knowledge. My model is my new knowledge. You help me explore my new knowledge through your question. Your story, your meaning, your opinion will come later. Now I'm taking another random nigga one. When you share this, right? So you don't need to defend, protect, project your meaning slash knowledge onto what I've said. Yours will come. Now, if we are to create a shared understanding, an aligned understanding, a coordinated understanding, then later we will go through this shared model building phase where we then will have the collective flow experience, right? Where we, and this is really beautiful, uh, um, but where they're really building together and, and sometimes I record their hands because you see their hands moving in synchrony. It is a really interesting thing to say. And that can take an hour and they go like, what? What happened? Um, it can also take longer than an hour. And their shared meaning is being created without having a conversation about whether we agree or not. So again, we take this agree, disagree thing out of it and we create an aligned understanding with full respect of that you are right and I am right, but how could we then make these two rights? And I know this sounds a little bit esoteric, but this is like, this is a downhill skiing metaphor again, right? You gotta, you have to try downhill skiing to know downhill skiing, um, but it happens. Is it pain-free? Absolutely not. Is it emotional? Absolutely. Is it personal? Nope. Because it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about the knowledge we've built. So all conversations and, const and the construction of knowledge happens through the boundary object. So I'm barely looking at you at any moment. I'm looking at what we are talking about. I'm looking at our Lego models, which shifts everything, right? It's super emotional, but it's not personal. Mm. You mentioned people have cried in the workshops before. Yes. They, yeah. Um, and they have. Um, when they cry, it, it's, it's more when we are working on personal matters. So not so much in a strategy workshop. So it's not that crying because they were humiliated. It's not crying because they were exposed. It, they cry because they're emotional. Um, it typically happens when they're building the personal model. And when I say personal model, I mean personal identity because they have these insights. Um, they cry for, there's, there are actually two reasons. Sometimes they cry uh, or get, I mean, emotional. And because cry can sometimes sound negative and many people associate with a, with, with a not a good experience, but that's not how it feels. It, so they're emotional because of insights about themselves, realizations. And either reason they cry, and this is back to what you said before, I believe this hurt. They, they, they also cry because they're being hurt. And there are many teams, right? Lots of teams, unfortunately. They might have worked together for years, but the individuals 
never had the undivided attention of their peers while sharing their most important story. And for most of us, our most important story is the story about us, about who we are. So being allowed to first find out who you think you are, or just have that reflection time while you're building, and then being allowed to share that with people and experiencing that you have their undivided attention and, and, and in an absolutely non-judgmental way also, right? You're actually being heard, not interpreted, but heard. That can also really move people. So it's not, sometimes it's not even what they share, it's that they share, if I, may, if I can make that distinction. It's a beautiful thing. It is. Mm. There's some other phrases that I love that you have. Never interrupt the builder. Mm-hmm. As you build, you are sitting with the thought was one idea. And also you can never be done building because that would mean you knew everything. Yeah. When you build, you make new knowledge. When you build, you make new knowledge. Yeah. So we really believe that building building is thinking. Yeah. But the new knowledge thing is interesting because so often we hear the idea of there's no new ideas. But this tells me that there are. Yeah. I think I think mostly when people say there are no new ideas is because they always feel that an idea can be broken down to two existing ideas. In 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 and that may be true, right? But that doesn't mean that the idea isn't a different idea. Um, I think new ideas are, are just connections, connecting things, right? So I think there are lots of new ideas. We can always break everything down. But, but, but saying there are no new ideas is like saying there are no new organisms. And that would make you and me like the amoeba that we came from millions of years ago. Right? Yeah, we, we evolved from that. But that doesn't mean there are new ideas, I think. But it, it, that becomes semantics, maybe. Um, but in that sense, I mean, thinking, thinking, thinking is building, right? And, and when we ask a question where they don't know, where they don't know the answer, when they start building, and then they build, and then what they have built, the model is what they don't know what they know. So building is thinking, hence why we don't interrupt them. Because we really can not think and talk or think and listen at the same time. Now, in our conversation here, if I started thinking about that thing I need to do tomorrow, I have a bit of a test tomorrow. If I started thinking about that one now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really hear what you're asking. I really wouldn't. You should say that phrase again, because that's really important. You cannot think while you're talking. We, can't, we cannot think and talk. We cannot think and listen. We just cannot, right? We cannot think and talk. We cannot think and listen. You also told me, I just love that. You also told me this, this story of you were, oh, I can't remember exactly where you were, but you went, you were out visiting this other country and you went to visit the castle and you saw the soldier standing at guard. <laughs> yeah. I love this story. All right. So this, this was Italy. And... Um, 
and we were driving from Milano, Milan, and we were heading to Verona. And and that sort of historically, you could argue there's a bit of border borderland here because between the different sort of whatever they were dukes or. Um, so we visited this little village because uh, we had checked out a restaurant there. Um, so we had a fantastic uh, lunch. And before we drove on, we wanted to go for a bit of a walk, just freshen up, and we had a glass of wine, <laughs> so maybe not a bad idea. Uh, as we did that, we, we, we found a, the old castle because this little village was on, on one of the main sort of highways of the Middle Ages, right? So there, there was a castle here. And we visited all the the ruins were still there, so we visited that, walked around, and read about it. And, and this was a sort of military castle, if I may say so, right? So they, they had been there to guard this uh, route, this highway, and protect it, and probably as for taxes. And as I was walking around, I thought, these soldiers, let's say, that been 30 years. They, they must have spent a lot of time waiting, right? Waiting and waiting. People weren't showing up. There was probably no one coming sometimes. Uneventful, right? I was doing that. I was, with my phone in my pocket, probably. It, it dawned on me that we never wait any longer. I think in our, the way we live today, we never wait. That doesn't mean we don't have waiting time. But when we have waiting time, let's say boarding a plane, waiting for the metro, right? I said waiting for the metro, but I have waiting time for the metro. We take out our phones. We check our emails. I mean, likes we have on Instagram or TikTok, or depending on your generation. Um, but we never wait. We never stand still or sit still or, or just are still, this notion of being still. We don't. We have waiting time, but we fill it out immediately. And that struck me, and I, I spoke with my Italian partner about it. Probably not a super healthy thing, right? Because for the brain to have an inside and it'll rewire, but in its quiet time, David Rock did the Healthy Mind Platters a few years ago, which had that as well. But, but it struck me that it was just this concept of waiting doesn't exist. I don't think, Mike, I have two boys, one turns 20 today, uh, the other 17 soon. I don't think they've ever waited. They don't wait. And, and then uh, when I had a conversation also, and I referred, and then it, it struck me again when I was reading deep work by um, Cal Newport recently, who, who talked about this, right? Be careful, because our brains need it. Again, it struck me. And then it struck me, you know, how when I wait for an elevator, how, how easy it is to, you know, just get that phone out. So I'm, I'm, I'm personally practicing not to do these things. Um, because it's good for the brain. And it, it, it probably helps the brain think differently and have insights. And if we are to have a role uh, in a world dominated by AI, I think it's, it is that role. We need to be able to slow down our thinking to see what's not otherwise being seen. Because AI can always see what's being seen. And that's, that's easy, Mo. Well, not easy. But what? I love it. You've given me you've given me lots to think about and I'm going to be boarding a train soon. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> so what would you like to leave people with today? 
I hope they waited for that. <laughs> um, no, but uh, there's lots of things I would like them. I think, I mean, Robert and I have, you know, we want to bring Lego Series Play right up. In, and, and what does that mean? Well, it means, for me, it means to play more. I, I'd like for people to play more. And Stuart Brown uh, has done a lot of fantastic stuff on this. And I think he has the phrase of that, uh, where he says that plays like a fertilizer for the brain. So it's madness not to use it. So I think we should play more. And that's really not frivolous. And it does mean crawling around on our knees. But using play to to really allow the brain to flourish. So I, I like that play part. I'm, I would like people to take away what I'm pra- practicing on. I'm not saying I'm practicing it. I'm, I'm practicing being able to do this, accepting that other people can be right without agreeing with them. I think it's two different things. Someone can be right without you agreeing with them. And, and then bring waiting back. Beautiful. Or at least bring some of silence in your head. And then that's, as we're talking about it, I actually, it dawned on me that, because I run, right? I, 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 I go running in the morning. And I just realized that I never run with any, I don't run with music. I don't run with podcasts. Because I really think we sometimes need to take the time to listen to the voice in our head. I love why well, I'm not a big podcaster. I, I, I listen to a few well, well selected. Um, I am more of a reader when it actually comes to, I know I shouldn't <laughs> say that okay. a podcast, but I just did. So I listened to a few well selected podcasts. Um, but where I was going was also with the music and, and, and the stuff. I think we need to sometimes take the time to listen to the voice in our own heads. Not get absorbed by it, not to use the right voice, but if we can't hear ourselves, how can we expect other people to listen to us? If we can't bear listening to ourselves, if we can't prioritize that ourselves, why should anyone else listen to us? I think I have a little bit about that one going on as well. So That's that was three things. Is that too much? All wonderful. <laughs> all wonderful. Thank you so much, Pear. No, my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Pear, check him out on LinkedIn or on his website at trivium.international. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? Send me a message.